I'm Daniel Levine, and this is the Bio Report. the transplantation of insulin-producing islet cells has been used to treat people with type 1 diabetes, such procedures require the use of immunosuppressive drugs to prevent the immune system from rejecting the cells. Eye tolerance is developing platform technology that can be used with tissue, organoid, and cell therapies without the need for lifelong immunosuppression. We spoke to Anthony Japor president and CEO of iTolerance, about the company's platform technology, its lead experimental cell therapy for type 1 diabetes, and the broad range of regenerative therapies that could benefit from the technology. Anthony, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. We're going to talk about type 1 diabetes, eye tolerance, and its effort to develop regenerative therapies without the need for lifelong immunosuppression. Let's start with type 1 diabetes. For listeners not familiar with the condition, what is it? Sure. Uh, Type 1 diabetes is a condition where an individual is unable to produce insulin in their body in response to taking in any kind of sugar or glucose. So for those of us who don't have type 1 diabetes, when we consume anything with sugar, our pancreas, pancreatic islets specifically, produce insulin, which goes into the blood and allows the body to absorb the glucose into the cells and remove it from the bloodstream. So when someone doesn't have the ability to produce insulin, the sugar levels remain elevated, and that's called hyperglycemia. What's the prognosis for someone with the condition today? So acute increases in sugar over time lead to many chronic complications, such as uh, premature atherosclerosis, heart disease, kidney disease, eye disease, amputations, and increased risks for cancer as well as infections, more recently, notably, uh, COVID infection. And for someone who's been diagnosed with type 1 diabetes before the age of 10, they can have up to two decades of life uh, shortened uh, lifespan on top of all the other comorbidities. How are patients generally treated today, and and how well managed is the condition with existing therapies? So for type 1 diabetes, it's still insulin, and um, insulin is definitely not the answer in the long run, which is why eye tolerance exists. But there have been improvements in what are called CGMs, continuous glucose monitoring devices, which are placed on the body and allow um, the person themselves to monitor their their glucose in their body. And they know when they either need to inject with more insulin or when they need to uh, 
take some sugar intake because their sugar is, is too too low. Uh, hypoglycemia, which is when the sugar gets too low, is actually also just as bad and sometimes worse than the hyperglycemia because it can lead to uh, seizures, heart attacks, coma, and even death. So type 1 diabetes is a 24-7 disease, and um, the patients never get a break. Given that this is a, a chronic condition that requires constant monitoring and, and management, what's it like to live with? Well, I think that question's probably best answered by someone who has type 1 diabetes, but I can say that parents of children uh, who have type 1 diabetes tell me that they are constantly uh, facing challenges with their children. They are you know, fearful of these hypoglycemic episodes and that they're very concerned about the long-term complications. Uh, adults tell me all the time that they are truly desperate uh, for a cure. Um, and, you know, I get a lot of people who've heard about eye tolerance re reaching out to me by email and, you know, looking for something other than the current treatment today, which is, which is still insulin. There have long been efforts to use islet cell transplantation to treat people with type 1 diabetes. How effective have these approaches been and what have been the primary challenges? Yeah, there have been tremendous advancements in islet transplantation over the last 20 years. Uh, but there have been three major hurdles. First, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration regulates cadaveric islets. So right now, the only way to get an islet transplant is to get a donor transplant from someone who is deceased. These are called cadaveric islets. So FDA currently regulates these, these islets as drugs as opposed to donated microorgans, like every other organ in the body. Um, so even though the, the transplantation work has been done um, uh, and was paid for, by the way, by, the way by, by American taxpayers, and is approved and reimbursed around the world, uh, it is not a approved and reimbursable procedure in, in the United States. Um, and that's despite the fact that the phase three studies were, were done here. The second challenge is like any organ transplant, whether at heart, lung, kidney, it does require lifelong immune suppression. Um, those drugs uh, leave the patients much more susceptible to bacterial, viral, and fungal infections, as well as increasing the risk of cancer. So these, uh, these are challenges. Uh, additionally, immunosuppressive drugs are toxic to the pancreatic islets themselves. And then finally, um, donated organs are in limited supply, and that's why there is a lot of interest and enthusiasm for ultimately using insulin-producing stem cells rather than cadaveric islets from donors. iTolerance has developed platform technology, which is a microgel that leverages a naturally occurring protein in all mammals that induces a local immune response. This is your ITOL 100. Can you explain what it is and how it works? Uh, yes. Removing the need for lifelong immune suppression in pancreatic eye transplantation is truly the holy grail for this field of medicine. Uh, the ITOL 100 
is a combination of a biotechnology-derived fusion protein, uh, which is strepavidin connected to FASL, and a biotinylated microgel. When these two components are mixed together, the strepavidin uh, binds to the biotin on the microgel and allows the working part of the protein, namely the FASL, to be in the proper three-dimensional uh, configuration so that it can interact with the local T cells that are coming in to, to destroy the implant. So when the body sees foreign tissue, the T cells go to that site and, and, and kill it. But when FASL is present, it can bind to what are called FAST receptors and basically kill just those T cells that are coming in to take out the, the transplant. It doesn't affect the rest of the body and it juices really uh, what we call a local immune tolerance just in the area where the, where the cells or, or tissue are, are being placed. You're developing ITOL-102, which is a potential cure for type 1 diabetes. What is ITOL-102 and, and how does that work? So ITOL-102 is the combination of ITOL-100, which is our immune modulator, together with a stem cell-derived source of insulin-producing cells. As I had mentioned earlier, there's a lot of enthusiasm and there's several companies that have stem cells uh, that... Um, that can produce insulin in response to glucose. So ITOL-102 is the combination of the immune modulator together with the, uh, with, with the stem cells. This is a, a preclinical program, but what's known about it from studies that you've conducted to date? So the data that we have so far is in diabetic mice and monkeys. And uh, our, our scientific founders have shown that taking allogeneic islets from donor animals and transplanting them into the recipient animals can be maintained for six months. Uh, we believe that the long-term engraftment is also due to increases in T regulatory cells, which are important for long-term engraftment. And in our studies, we use a course of rapamycin, which is a, a commonly used immunosuppressant for um, the first 15 to 90 days, depending on the study that was done, to allow for the expansion for these T regulatory cells, which are responsible and are needed for the long-term survival of the islets. Is the expectation that this would be a one-and-done therapy? Is, is anything known about its durability? So that's a question I get all the time. And the, the answer is, we don't know. Uh, in animals, the studies were conducted for six months. Uh, in the monkey study, it was terminated after 180 days, not because the islets stopped functioning, but because the COVID pandemic required the researchers at Massachusetts General Hospital at Harvard, where, where the study was conducted, they were required to terminate the study. But during the period of six months, the islets were functional. Uh, well, of course, we hope it's a one and done, but we won't know until we get this tested in humans. But we do know that um, if we can get rid of the immunosuppression, uh, that we do think that the, uh, the islets will have a greater chance of surviving. What's the regulatory path forward? Uh, our regulatory path is first global. Um, 
while we would like to move forward in the United States, um, we are also very interested in Canada, uh, Europe, the Middle East, uh, and Asia. Uh, the pathway in the U.S. is for us is to first to generate some preclinical data for ITOL 102, then go to the uh, FDA and request what's called a interact meeting. That is where you have some preliminary data and you go and sit with the agency and discuss with them, you know, what the limitations may be in the preclinical data, how to get around some of the hurdles so that we can um, then proceed to what's called a pre-IND meeting which is the where you discuss you know what plans you plan to bring forward in doing IND enabling studies which are required before we start a clinical trial. So that's our plan in the US. Uh, we uh, have a, a parallel track um, in Canada and in the rest of the world um, as we do have a, you know as I mentioned a global regulatory uh, strategy. I notice your pipeline list ITOL 100. Does this need to go through clinical testing and regulatory review on its own? Interesting question. Um, if it's paired with a cell therapy and that cell therapy is not yet already on the market, which there isn't one right now, we probably will need to to uh, do a, uh, a pathway of ITOL 100 with the cell therapy um, and, and, and to, to bring a product to the market. If there is already a cell therapy on the market, I suppose there is a, uh, another pathway forward following um, HIV and other transplanted organs where the immune modulator could be its own drug that's used in combination with the transplanted organ. At the end of January, iTolerance announced that it had entered into a master services agreement with the Diabetes Research Institute at the University of Miami Miller School of Medicine. What's the significance of this agreement and how will, will it advance the work you're doing? So the technical aspects of these preclinical experiments are best done with the research who really have extensive experience in either transplantation. And these are very highly specialized centers around the country. And the Diabetes Research Institute in Miami is considered a, if not the preeminent institution for um, islet transplantation and has really the experience both with allogeneic cadaveric islet transplantation as well as working with stem cells. So our master agreement allows us really to capitalize on the strengths of DRI's technical scientific expertise and their goal to cure type 1 diabetes. And we're just really pleased that, that this institution exists because commercial organi organizations don't have that same technical expertise that the DRI has. You have a second therapy in development. This is ITOL 201 for liver failure. What is that and, and how does it work? So we do have a program in liver failure. It is a collaborative research agreement with Ligenesis, which is a spinoff out of the University of Pittsburgh, which is also known as one of the most important transplant centers uh, in the country. Uh, and this is to replace liver cells together with ITOL 100 to do a liver transplant without the need for, for chronic immune suppression. Right now, if you have a liver transplant, you do need to take medications to suppress your immune system. 
potentially uh, transplanting liver cells with ITOL 100 would allow uh, the liver transplant to be done without chronic immune suppression, which again is a really huge need you know, in, in the world. Is there any timetable for when you hope to be in the clinic with that? I would say no sooner than the end of 2025. We've started by generating um, uh, tests in vitro, which is in test tubes. Uh, Now we're moving into animal data. Once we get the animal data, we'll request the interact meeting with FDA, then go to planning our IND enabling studies toward a a pre-IND meeting, and then we would file the IND. Uh, Usually, uh, you know, if you've had good dialogue with the FDA and it's really clear what the path forward is, once you file the IND, you can start the clinical study within 30 days. One of the challenges with gene therapies is that if they make use of a viral vector, they won't be redosable. Does the iTolerance platform have any potential to make gene therapies redosable? It has the potential, but we're not uh, working in gene therapy at the moment. How broadly are you looking at the potential of your platform technology? So we are very data-driven, but we're patient focus. So our focus right now is to cure truly one of the important diseases of our time and, and, and that which is in very much in need, which is type 1 diabetes, and we're staying very focused on that. However, uh, this technology does have many ap- applications. Uh, we get regularly unsolicited inbound opportunities for the potential use of ITOL 100 with other uh, uh, stem cells uh, We recently engaged a business development professional to help support these efforts to really maximize all of our opportunities. But as I say, we we remain sort of highly focused on type 1 diabetes. Anthony Japor, President and CEO of iTolerance. Anthony, thanks so much for your time today. Thanks, Danny, for having me. It was a pleasure. Thanks for listening. The Bio Report is a production of the Levine Media Group. To automatically download this podcast each week, subscribe to our RSS feed or through iTunes or other podcast manager. To join our mailing list, go to levinemediagroup.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to drop us a line or are interested in sponsoring this podcast, send an email to danny at levinemediagroup.com. Special thanks to Jonah Levine, who composed our theme music, and the Jonah Levine Collective, which performs it.